Welcome to La Piragua. This is Piragua Podcast. Today we're going to explore and analyze this year's plebiscite. The year is 2020 and this is the sixth plebiscite or referendum to take place on Puerto Rico's colonial status. Should Puerto Rico become a state of the United States? It's a pretty simple yes or no question and that's what's being presented to the voters of Puerto Rico this year. And I want to start off today's episode by asking you, CJ, and I'll word it in the same way that it's worded on the plebiscite. Should Puerto Rico be admitted immediately into the union as a state? And I love that level of urgency, right? Immediately. So what do you think? On behalf of certain Puerto Ricans who uh, feel exactly the way that I do and feel their voices are never heard, no. Puñeta. And there's three reasons why. Um, one, I don't think that it's a dignified response to over 600 years of colonialism. Uh. It just isn't. Um, two, I believe it will only perpetuate the cultural erasure of Puerto Rico and Puerto Ricans that we are already subjected to. Um, annexation and assimilation will only make that absolutely worse. The culmination um, of colonialism. Mm-hmm. Um, and three, the status quo of the United States. The status quo that we have now is the United States economic and political plan for Puerto Rico. Right. And I'm speaking to the statehood party here. Your glorified political poll is going to do absolutely nothing to change that. Mm. Yes. We, we have to unpack it for our listeners. I mean, for starters, you make a good point right there. This is a plebiscite or a referendum being pushed by one political enterprise. This is being pushed by the... Uh, main political party that's in power, which is El Partido Nuevo Progresista, El PNP, which is the pro-statehood party. And um, all these plebiscites have been non-binding and they've essentially been a tool used by the political party in power um, to uh, waste taxpayer dollars on a frivolous exercise. Um, and, And I'm not quite sure how someone can can truly believe that being annexed to the colonial power that's been exploiting you for over 120 years is somehow beneficial and, and somehow helps the progress of the people of Puerto Rico. Um, and my question to um, those who truly feel that statehood is the best option for Puerto Rico going forward, how do you feel about this plebiscite? I mean, you just did one in 2017. Um, this is the sixth plebiscite. All have been non-binding. All have um, essentially just been a, um, a a futile exercise that go nowhere. So before we get into the history of the plebiscite, because I think it's important to understand what's happening in 2020, we have to go back to what happened in 2017 and 2012. Not only the results, but what exactly was on the ballot. And to give a better understanding for our listeners who may not be too familiar with the concept of a plebiscite or, or even, the, you know, what the, the, the political uh, um, atmosphere is like in Puerto Rico, there's two things you really need to take into consideration when you're looking at these plebiscite results. And one is we have to understand that they're happening within the colonial context. See, right. a lot of Americans don't know what that is, uh, a ple- what a plebiscite is, because they're living within a free and sovereign nation. There's no need for us to have to ask these questions to our voting population because it's very clear what our political status and future is going to be. Um, The second one is these plebiscites work and and, and seem to be 
uh, part of a one-party regime. And what I mean is that the statehood party, the PNP, uh, consistently uses this as a political tool to drive or at least, you know, ramp up their 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 party's participation. That's what they did um, in this election, right? The, the, 2002, uh, the 2012 plebiscite and the 2020 plebiscite take place during elections. Uh, the 2017 one was a little different, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year's plebiscite, the results are in. About 52% of the people voted yes, Puerto Rico should become a state of the union, and about 48% voted no, that it should not become a state of the union. And what's interesting to me is, um, being that the statehood party is the one who created this plebiscite and promoted it and pushed it, they were the ones who put money behind it. Those interests um, that are tied to El PNP are the ones who supported um, the Yes campaign, you know, que vote si, uh, with millions of dollars that went to ad space, that went to commercials on television. And um, they still could only muster up about 52% of the vote, which says a lot to me because the No campaign was predominantly you know, a campaign done through social media. Right. So let's unpack this for the for the listeners a little bit. So here's how it works. You hold the plebiscite and you're supposed to be able to take those results as uh, a unified voice of what the people of Puerto Rico want and you go to D.C. to begin the formal process of being admitted into the United States. That's step one. That's why they keep doing it because there's no, there's no path to stay without holding the plebiscite first. So to understand what's happening now, let's go back to 2012. Uh, and obviously, these have been happening since '67, but I, for, for today's purposes, I think I think we should focus on 2012, yes. 2017, and right because they've done they've done three in the last decade. Exactly. Um, so in 2012, this referendum was structured in, in a way that it asked two questions. The first question asked voters, "Do you agree that Puerto Rico should continue to have its present form of territorial status?" And in response to that question, 54.3 percent of Puerto Ricans said. No, basically rejecting the idea that the, the status quo political status is working for them, which I agree. No, it doesn't work. A, a lot of people agree with that. Where it became problem, problematic was there was a second question. The second question asked, which non-territorial status do you prefer? Statehood, free association, or independence? 500,000 ballots left that question blank. So it's hard to say what Puerto Ricans wanted as a path forward. And obviously, Congress rejected it. didn't really matter. It's non-binding. So that's what prompted 2017. 2017 is where they go into this process of simplifying what they're asking, which is why, for the first time in their plebiscite's history this year, they asked it to be a simple yes or no question. That's why we have to back it up a little bit. 2017, they just want it to be one question, pick a status, basically. You know, and and to th- simplify and, it. And this is a standalone plebiscite. It wasn't associated Correct. with the election. Correct. It this was done was in standalone. June of 2017. This was done in the summer, right? Um, not not coinciding with a federal election, what they typically do. And this one basically gave voters three options. Pick a territor- territorial status, statehood, free association, or the current territorial status. And, and independence was, was, it was free association or independence. I'm sorry, free association, yes, slash independence. Yep. And... Night, supposedly, and, and, and again, when we, when we say this number, we say it with a very big, fat asterisk next to it. And it says 97.18% said statehood. And the asterisk is, this is based on 22.93% of voter turnout. 
Less than a fourth of the voters participated in the 2017 plebiscite. So what legitimacy does it have? You know, this was essentially a survey, a glorified poll for party members of a PNP. All I saw that was clear was that three out of four Puerto Ricans decided to do something else that day. Mm. Not even participate in this plebiscite. Literally said, like, I'm not even going to. It was a boycott, in my, in, in, in my opinion. When, right. I, when I look at those results and I look at voter participation, the only message that's clear to me is not what the future of Puerto Rico is, but just we don't agree with this and, and we don't and, recognize it. And between the 2012 and 2017 uh, plebiscite, people tried to, specifically statehooders, tried to ignore the fact that people did boycott it, right? Um, but it's legitimate. It's, a le- it's, it's legitimate protest. You know, when it's it's not just a handful of people boycotting these plebiscites, right? This is a trend because um, people see it as illegitimate, um, feel that it lacks all credibility, um, just like you and I do. Mm-hmm. And that's how we get to 2020. Because these results are shrouded in controversy and they're a little cloudy uh, to, to Congress, because Congress will only take into consideration if they feel that it's a, it's a it's an unequivocal response. Well, response to colonialism as to what your your path forward should be, and when you when you shift from ninety seven point whatever percent to fifty percent within three years, that's not a very clear indicator as well, to what the Puerto Ricans want for their future. I think if if you bring this to Congress, if you bring this to the Senate, they're just going to laugh at you, and they're going to they're going to ask, well, why why is it that there was sixty some percent in two thousand and twelve, ninety seven percent in two thousand seventeen, and now it's fifty two percent in two thousand twenty? Mm. I'm going to have some questions to ask because it feels like um, you know less people are participating, and when you look into the nuance of these numbers, even this year's ple- uh, plebiscite this year had a a historically low voter participation rate even though it was election time. And only about half of the voters participated in, in this year's plebiscite. Correct. Uh, Puerto Rico's voter turnout is typically historically high. We're talking, you know, anywhere in the 70 to 80% range. And for this plebiscite, we got about 52%. So yes, relative to where it usually should be and where it's at, again, not a clear indicator of what the Puerto Rican people want. Right. And when it comes to the statehood option, for me, I'd rather, I would prefer... To, to, to believe in an idea of the future of Puerto Rico that all my hopes and dreams can't be crushed by one check. And what I mean by that is when these, let's say, playing devil's advocate here, let's say magically every single every single Puerto Rican in Puerto Rico decides to say, yes, it's become a state. And the Puerto Rican government goes to Congress and says, here are the results, here's what we want. What's stopping a place that has more Walgreens and Walmarts per square mile than anywhere else in the world to have those same large corporations to cut one check to make sure the status quo stays in place because they're making too much money off of it? Because statehood would affect their bottom line. We have right. so many corporate tax loopholes, tax loopholes in general on the idea that these corporations are exploiting. Yes, and co- you best believe they're going to go to Congress and, and, and lobby to make sure that, that doesn't change. The colonial status benefits Wall Street. You know, and and it's not going to disappear because the, the status quo is what benefits the empire. That's what we have to understand here. And my question to statehooders is check your own party. Ask yourself, why is it that they push laws 20 and 22? I mean, we talked about it in the last episode about the tax havens, these tax, tax loopholes 
these tax incentives being um, put forth to foreigners to come to Puerto Rico and benefit off its colonial status. If you were really serious about pushing for statehood, I think the first thing that um, you should push El Pene to do is to eliminate those tax incentives that would not take place if Puerto Rico was a state. And not only that, I'm going to call bullshit on them as well because they try to say that these referendums are in the best interest of Puerto Rico's future. But you know what I believe is in the best interest of Puerto Rico's future? Educating our youth. And at the end of the day, this is a fact. There are certain parts of Puerto Rico right now where there is a child that hasn't gone to school in over a year. And the fact that that's not bothering certain elected officials holding public office as much as it should, and you're putting more effort, energy, and resources, because these, ref- these referendums, these plebs are not free, into that, into keeping schools open when we've had how many? Over 600 of them closed within the past, I don't know how many years. Like but the six, past decade. I mean, we're talking about Since a place. Since plebiscite's been going on for the 20- 2000s. And let's, and, and let's talk about this spatially. We're talking about a, 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 a place that's only about 100 by 35 miles. So 600 school closures, we're talking, which communities you think are, are losing their schools? We, I mean, we, we experienced this in the United States as well. Where do you think these schools are being closed? In Absolutely. the places that are probably needed the most. Yes, the, these plebiscites are a waste of, of taxpayer dollars. They're, they're just a frivolous exercise. Um, they're not serious in addressing Puerto Rico's colonial situation. And my, my question to um, those who support statehood for Puerto Rico is um, why do you continue with these meaningless plebiscites, right? These non-binding exercises that get nothing done because in 2017, El PNP created a, um, a, a, a statehood commission, an equality commission or whatever they called it. You know, it was essentially a shadow delegation of senators and congresspeople to demand statehood for Puerto Rico. And where did that go? It went nowhere. It went nowhere. We can't have a short-term memory. We can't be um, revisionists and throw this stuff under the rug. It seems like every four years we hear the same thing that statehood is coming. It's coming in 51 days. It's coming in 51 weeks. It's coming in 51 years. Which one is it? Because, you know, I remember as a youth hearing the plebiscite in 1998, the same argument that I'm hearing now in 2020, that, mm. that statehood is around the corner and that these federal funds that are going to come in because of statehood are going to address all the social ills of Puerto Rico, which I don't believe. I don't think anyone should be na- naive enough to believe. Correct. Correct. And, and, and let's be honest. El PNP is, is, is an organization that is its trademark is corruption and bribery. And, and money laundering and misuse of federal funds. So let's say hypothetically you did get what you want. Why would Congress ever want to trust you with more federal funds when we're already seeing how you're managing the funds that you are getting now? It wouldn't make sense. And not only that, you cannot just throw money at the problems that Puerto Rico has. It's not the answer to all of it. More and every single time you talk to your statehood and ask them what why what is your plan? Let's say you were to get statehood, all they ever say is more federal funds. All right, beyond that, what else? Okay, more federal funds. What else? Come on now. doesn't make any sense. You're being intellectually dishonest with not only your results, but you're not even being respectful enough to give us a solid plan as to what you would do if you were granted the very wish that you keep asking, begging for. I mean, obsessed with this idea. Or you don't give the uh, respect to opposing views, to opposition parties, to participate in these processes. Mm. These are all unilateral, um, one-party events. 
you know, these plebiscites are are a propaganda machine for the benefit paid for by the Puerto Rican taxpayer. And we have to truly um, be critical of the actions that El Penepe has taken with these plebiscites and say, nah, enough is enough. Until we really reach the point where we're going to address Puerto Rico's colonial status, we can't be spending money on these um, these circuses uh, of, of plebiscites every four years. Because what I feel is going to happen is nothing's going to move in the Congress of the United States in regards to this plebiscite because everybody could see right through it. You know, to me, the only way... You, you you can't see right through it as if you're biased, if you're a, fa- a fanatic, you're, you know, you're a statehood fanatic and you don't want to see the reality. But everyone in the Senate, everyone in the Congress sees right through this. It's not going to move and you're going to come back in four years and give us another plebiscite. The statehooders really remind me a lot and the statehood movement in general remind me a lot of individuals in toxic, abusive relationships. Here you are obsessed, you know, almost in love with the wrong person, the wrong idea. And there's, you, you know, there's so many other options for you. There's so many different alternatives. If you just were to take a step back, maybe you have a little bit of a breakup or divorce, <laughs> um, you know, to put it in other words, you, you might have a brighter and better future. Mm. And let's be honest, the colonial relationship between the United States and Puerto Rico was an abusive one. It, it has is, been a violent one. Is, is an abusive is. one. Let, let's not forget that a law like PROMESA, a bipartisan bill that entrenches colonialism, is the current law of the land. That this is an austerity regime that's looking to sell off Puerto Rico and cut services left and right and cut schools left and right. This is what's currently in place. This is that colonial status quo that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. This is the status quo that prioritizes Wall Street interests versus the interests of the Puerto Rican people. And when we see La Junta just the other day deny additional funding for healthcare workers working in the pandemic, working through the pandemic, um, to deny additional public funding to these workers who are risking their own lives to address this pandemic that's inflicting the world. That is violence. That is colonialism in perpetuity. This is the status quo. This is what they, the Congress, the legislature want. And the fact that you want to come here and introduce this uh, glorified straw poll that doesn't truly address the crises taking place to Puerto Rico, I think it's disrespectful. It's an affront to Mm -hmm. anyone with dignity. 100%, brother. Very well said. And and I'll, and I'll leave the listeners with this because so I think I, I I do think about this a lot. When we talk about colonialism, we usually think about it in, in the traditional sense of we're talking about a place with borders, right? But I want I want I want to make the listeners aware that colonialization also happens in, happens within the minds of the people that live there. And there's no way we can ever talk about decolonizing Puerto Rico. And and I, and I don't know if I said it before, but statehood is not a decolonizing option. It doesn't decolonize Puerto Rico at all. If anything, it's the ultimate end result of colonization, not the end all. If we're ever going to talk about truly decolonizing Puerto Rico, we really have to talk about decolonizing our own minds. 
And when I when and when I talk when I say that I'm talking from personal experience. There was no way that I was ever gonna be able to 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 speak to truly working towards a future for Puerto Rico that was decolonized before doing it myself with my own mind. And you really have to stop and ask yourself, do I need to do that in my own life first? Is my mind colonized in any way? So that's that's so that's the question I'm gonna leave to the listeners. Have you ever considered that you need to decolonize your mind? I think the question that I'm going to leave the listeners with, it has to do with the statehood movement pushing this idea that statehood has a plurality. That most people voted in these plebiscites for statehood and hence that is what the people want. But my question to you is a plurality of what? What significance does it have to have a plurality of a non-binding plebiscite, a non-binding referendum that most people deem illegitimate? A plurality of what? So I'll I'll leave it there. I think I think we're good to to end it here. You know, we just wanted to talk talk a little bit about um, the aftermath of this plebiscite and its results. Um, again, I, I don't know how someone who supports statehood is going to go to the Congress and the Senate and say, hey, we had 60-something percent in 2012, 97% in 2017, and 52% in 2020. Yeah. A majority of Puerto Ricans overwhelmingly want Puerto Rico to become a state. I don't know how you do that. And, and um, my question to folks who um, are not Puerto Rican and are listening to this um, who may support statehood, why? You know, why do you support statehood? Do you really know the mm. history of the relationship between the United States and Puerto Rico and um, the violence that has come with a history of colonialism? You know, are you are you doing it for your own benefit? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, I, I think I think this is a good place to end, CJ. Um, do you have any last words for the good people? No, no, just just stay vigilant, keep asking questions, and, and let's let's keep working towards a, a, a bright future um, for Puerto Rico that works for all Puerto Ricans. There you have it, folks. Thank you for listening. We're grateful for you tuning in, and um, please check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook mm-hmm. at Pod. Check us out on your favorite podcast listener. This is Piragua Podcast. My name is Julio. That's CJ. We'll see you next time. Peace and love.